0: In 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 2, Paul talks about this where, I mentioned it a few weeks ago, he says this in the first four verses, he says that, I didn't come to you with persuasive words, I actually came to you in, in fear and trembling, like I was a little bit um, insecure maybe about myself concerning what I'm delivering to you and whatnot. He said, I didn't come with persuasive words, but I came with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that your faith wouldn't rest in the words of man, but in the power of God, right? Paraphrased. And so, fullness looks like what does fullness looks like when we? It, by the way, does any, is anyone hungry just to live a life of fullness? Anybody at all? Like, if you are, just hold your hand up in the air. Okay, so good. Okay, good. Okay, just so I just want to make sure I'm in the right place this morning. Okay, I want to make sure we're, we're we're doing the right thing. But um. A foundational point to fullness is that his kingdom is expanded with power and authority through believers. That's just a foundational point I want to express here. His kingdom is expanded through power and authority through believers. How many believers in the house? So that means his, his kingdom is expanded through me, through you. Fullness, the fullness. And so the, the reason I talk about fullness and how we need to have a hunger... And a passion for saying, Lord, the only thing that satisfies me is that I'm dissatisfied. I want to I wanna see your kingdom released. I want to see the fullness of you impacting people. And so the deal is we need to understand that when we pray that and ask that, there's got to be a crossover then from, uh, you know, asking and believing for something and actually stepping out and doing something, right? So it's, it's and, and I'll just say this, even before we get to all this stuff, Um, what came first, the great commission or the great commandment? The great commandment. The great commandment being, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We've talked a bit about this before. So that's why we're, we're big on here at Catch the Fire, we're big on connecting with our Heavenly Father, our loving Heavenly Father who loves us. We can encounter His presence and be transformed. And so once we have a revelation of that love... And it says love your neighbor as yourself and the issue in a lot of people's lives is they don't love themselves. So so when it says love your neighbor as yourself, well, the love that I'm going to release to my neighbor if I love them the same way that I love myself, sometimes that wouldn't look really good because we don't always love ourselves, right? We've got to get to the point where we know that we're accepted in the beloved, that his kingdom is about Righteousness, peace, and joy all in the Holy Ghost. The righteousness in the Holy Ghost. One of the blockages from seeing a life of fullness, one of the blockages to to, um, releasing His kingdom is shame. Guilt and shame. We feel shameful about past. We feel shameful about a situation we didn't handle properly. There's there's shame. And that that thing, that shame will stop us dead in our tracks from from stepping into fullness and, and releasing fullness. And so, but it says his kingdom there, it says his kingdom is righteousness in the Holy Ghost. I think Ken, Ken might have prayed it this morning. I, I don't know if that's what I heard though, but that, that we get a revelation. So the great, the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So there's this first connection here like this. And then after that, then he gave this commission. He said, go into all the world you know, preach, teach, give it away, and make disciples of all nations, all people groups, right? Okay, so it's not, so if you, if you miss the first part about the love, we become on this mission of, I have to do this because I'm performing to get more favor and be accepted in in the Lord and that kind of thing. But God's saying, no, 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 you are accepted. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So in him, I, I, I stand, when he looks at me, I stand before him and he sees his son. I stand before him and I'm covered in the blood. And that's not a gory thing, that's a beautiful thing. It means that my, my, my sin nature, that old nature, has died and buried and abolished in Jesus' name. Now I choose to live in the new. And so this is the, this is the thought then when, I'm, when, I'm, when I want to lay out here when it comes to living in fullness and releasing fullness. So, all right. His kingdom is expanded. Fullness is demonstrated with power and authority through believers, all right? So we need doctrine. I love that. That's great. We need doctrine. We need, we need, um, uh, but, but it's not faith in doctrine that advances the kingdom. It's faith in God and in the power of God and what he can do that advances the kingdom. All right. All right. Cool. So. Um just look at the life of Jesus for a minute at the end of the the session here today at the end of this we're gonna uh we'll connect and and uh, i'd like to just we just it doesn't have to take a long time it could take a long time but i wanna i wanna we wanna mobilize and commission people just to go for it yeah 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 woo so the life of Jesus he came in power, but you notice his life he came in intimacy first and then he he came in power right. He didn't, he didn't do anything until he received the declaration of, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I love him so much. He's amazing. That was, the, that was the, 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 the connection, the father's blessing and the father's love that he connected with first before he ever went out and did anything. And then he didn't go out doing things, expanding the kingdom based on, I have to perform. I have to do, so. oh, I should be doing something. Oh, I feel bad. I should be doing something. No, no, no. Then he just went out and said, I'm just going to do what I see my father doing. Did you know the father is still working in Manitoba? The father is working in Manitoba. The father, with, with Barb there, she's listening. Okay, okay Lord, you know, what, what, what are you doing? Well, today I'm doing broccoli soup in your life. Today I'm doing broccoli soup. Okay, well, Lord, is there anything else? Is there anything else? What are you saying today? I'm saying, I'm saying today, I'm saying, um, what was the verse she quoted to him? It is well, yeah, or the, the phrase... It is well with my soul. What are you saying, Lord? I'm saying it is well with my soul. Now, on an average day in everything that you're going through in life, like, what does that mean? I mean, it's great. It's a great, it's a great truth. It is well with my soul. That's great and everything else. But you see how it works when we're doing what we see the Father doing? How powerful that is to impact somebody else? It's, it's so simple. It's so simple. So just nudge your neighbor and say, kiss keep it simple, silly. Or, or say this, say, keep it simple, saint. All right, so um, power without intimacy is dangerous, but power with intimacy is fruitful and fullness. So get the intimacy thing. And, and that's something, you, never, you don't just hear it once and then that's the end of it. Oh, I received the Father's love. I got a revelation of His love. No, this is something that you have to keep before you all the time. It's just this ongoing transformation. It's the renewing of your mind. Lord, how, how, how do you see me? I look at you and I see a son. I look at you and I see my righteousness in you. I look at you and I, I, I see someone that's so powerful. These are the hands of a very blessed man. When you touch somebody, it's me touching somebody. Like that, those are some truths that we need to wash our minds with over and over again. In Matthew 4, 17, it says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Uh, to, to turn around, to, to to recalibrate yourself, your thinking, your mindset, because the, the kingdom of heaven is within reach. It's so close. Uh, that's what we need to see happening in our lives. Take your Bibles with me. We'll just read this real quick, easy passage here. Go to Matthew chapter 4. And um, we'll pick it up in verse number 23, just a couple verses here. Because everywhere you see the the message of the gospel of the kingdom, it's always a full message. You know, there was a popular term like the full gospel, you know, you've you've heard of full gospel churches or full gospel ministries. Full gospel is not just uh, a gospel of salvation, okay? A gospel of salvation is great. The, The message of the gospel of salvation is phenomenal. But Jesus didn't just preach the message of the gospel of salvation. He preached the message of the gospel of the kingdom. And the kingdom always includes more than just saving your spirit for eternity someday. It always includes transformation in people's lives in all areas. Not just one area. Not just their own spiritual condition. But their physical condition. Their relationships. Their finances. Their, their, their families. Like the, It's the full thing. Their health. That's the, that's the fullness message. That's actually the kingdom message. So anytime you hear the word fullness, when I talk about fullness, you cannot divorce it from the kingdom because the kingdom is fullness. The kingdom is everything. The kingdom is ha. It's amazing. It's like mind blowing. The kingdom is crazy. It's a crazy kingdom. Ooh. So it says here, it says in verse 23, it says, And he went out about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. Somebody say kingdom. Kingdom. And healing some of their diseases. All. See, the kingdom, the fullness of the kingdom is always the fullness of the manifestation. It doesn't say healed some. It says he healed all. That's fullness. He healed all their diseases, every one of their weaknesses infirmities, and infirmities among the people. So the report spread of him throughout all Syria. And so what happens then when, when, when suddenly you start engaging in the kingdom of God where you live? People find out about that stuff. I, I, I tell you this much. I guarantee that, that our friend here, that, that Barb had the opportunity to minister to this week, He's already told other people what happened in that situation. It wouldn't surprise me if she had a bit of a lineup at her door. <laughs> You're the lady that gives away soup. Yeah, I know. But are you hearing what I'm saying? So, so that news then spread. So the news of, this, of, of the fruit of what Jesus was manifesting spread throughout the whole area. And it says, They brought to him all who were sick and those afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those under the power of demons, and epileptics, and paralyzed people, and he healed them. Part of the hunger for fullness, there has to be a there. Like I just want to increase. I want to. I, I, I want to see an increase in our appetite for seeing the kingdom released. I want us to see where somebody has a headache in your life, someone's, someone's got a headache, and before you reach for the Tylenol bottle, you, you lay hands on them in Jesus' name, and you speak to that thing in Jesus' name. Like, there's got to be a, sometimes we get, like, convenience is a blockage to fullness, because we get used to convenience, right? It's like, oh, what do we normally, I'll oh, just do this, just do that, whatever. In this whole process with the, the, whole, the whole scenario with the well pump and all that kind of stuff, I was praying, and I was, I was frustrated, and I was praying, and I'm like, Jesus, I need a break, and, and um, came into the house, and, and Mel, Mel stopped me, and she said, let's pray. I said, honey, I've been praying the whole time. She goes, no, 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 there's something powerful about agreeing together, where two people agree together and believe for something to be done, right? Right? I'm like, well, that sounds like the Bible. <laughs> so so we, we we grab hands, we pray, and 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 finish the, the finish the, the job, you know. Uh, but and it's that's so it seems so trivial trivial. You think, well, big deal, it's like it's just part of life. Yeah, but guess what? For me in the moment, <laughs> it was brutal. <laughs> it's like, come on. But the deal is agreeing together. Two people agree in anything, touching it, what'll happen? It'll be done. It shall be done. So I, I want us to, I just want us to be a people that part of our culture would be that the first thought in our mind when it comes to anything that's contrary to the kingdom that we don't see in the kingdom, the first thought in our mind would be, I'm hungry to see that thing break through in Jesus' name, Right? And I'm not against, you know, Tylenol or this or that or whatever. That's not my point. My point is the first thing on our mind. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you, right? We get focused on the things sometimes, but his kingdom. Okay, so so the demonstration brought followers, and I, I really believe you've heard us talk about this before, what God is doing in the land, and you're going to see an increase in it when we talk about this harvest that, that, that you know, we mentioned here last week and then Again, this morning, if you weren't here, the, the word was, um, you know, at the conference in Toronto, Sean Bowles talked about uh, this billion-soul harvest and preparing for what God's doing and what God wants to do. And so if you, t- if you say a billion souls, that's roughly 15% of the population. So if you look at your city or your province or where you live, that's 15% of, of, of the population coming into the kingdom being born again. Now think about it for a minute. How many people is it going to take to disciple these people if 15% of Manitoba is born again? That means all hands on deck. That means I'm in. I'm going to be discipling people. That's what that means, right? That's why I like to say this, that we're not a consumer church where you just come in for a good meal once in a while and come in and receive, receive, receive. We're a contributing church. So everyone, I believe it's the message of the kingdom. You're a contributor. You're not a consumer. Although you can consume too. You can enjoy things and stuff like that. But there's a contribution that takes place. There's an exchange. that we're, We're giving out. We're pouring out. We're pouring out. And by the way, it's not the church's job. When I say the church, I mean like it's not Catch the Fire Winnipeg's job to provide opportunities for you to advance the kingdom. We'll come alongside and help. But it's not, it's not, don't wait for a program. Don't wait for an evangelism program. Don't wait for a program that will teach you how to make broccoli soup before you engage the kingdom and start giving it away. All right. Now we're going to, we'll equip and we'll help and all that kind of stuff. But, but it's, it's time to get up off that thing. It is. It's time, it's time to go for it. It really is. All right. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 33 through 38, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom. It's the same, same concept here, just a few chapters later. But he's preaching the good news of fullness and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, "'The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few.'" Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out the workers into his harvest field. There's something I need you to see here. It wasn't an issue of recruitment, recruit more workers. It was an issue of deployment. Because it says the workers are few, but it doesn't say ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, for more workers. It says ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. You see that? It's not, just, it's not just we need more people, more help, more help. No, no, no. It's saying all hands on deck. It's saying engage. You know? Our houses aren't castles. You know, we, we come into our house and we, we drive in the garage and close the door and we're in our castle. Okay, we're insulated and isolated from all the outlo- worldly activities and all the sinful things out there and all those neighbors there. Well, they're a bunch of party animals. All oh, those guys over there. Really- our, our houses... Should be sanctuaries and fishing boats. When's the last time you invited your neighbors over? That you don't know. You know? That you don't, that you don't connect with maybe. Christmas. Good. <laughs> Come on. So anyway, here's the deal. It's not, a, it's not an issue of, of recruiting more workers. It's the issue of deploying workers. Yeah. Woo-wee. Now this is good. Matthew chapter 10 says he called his 12 disciples to him. And then he gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and heal every disease and sickness. I think this is really cool. There's something that happens here. The first thing, before he deploys them and sends them out, he calls them unto himself. Remember I said how, remember I said how earlier I said, that it's the intimacy first and then it's the power and authority from there. And if you have the going out power and authority going on without the intimacy going on, it gets dangerous and people get hurt. But he's saying here, he's saying, he called them unto himself. In one, one other passage, it says, he called those whom he himself wanted. He called them unto himself. And then, he, then, he, then it says, and then he gave them authority. Wow. Okay. All right. Then in Luke chapter 9, we're, we're getting a few different uh, scriptures here, but Luke chapter 9, verse 1. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power. Somebody say power. power. He gave them power and authority. Somebody say authority. Power. To drive out all demons and cure all, de- all, all diseases. Now, there are two different words here. We know the word power. You've heard the word before, dunamis, which is dynamic, explosive. Uh, the word dynamite comes out of that root. That's that same concept. Dynamic, explosive, <clears throat> Power, so he gives them power, but then he gives them authority. Exousia. It's not. It's not power. Authority and power are two different things. All the power that that you need, you've got inside of you right now. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Wow, you're just a bomb waiting to go off. Ah. So, but it says there. It says, and then it says. And the authority, and the authority is the right to use the power. You know, in some states in America, it's, it's not like this in Canada, but in America, some states in America, uh, you can have, uh, I, I have a friend in, in America, and um, they're moving up to Canada. And so he was asking me about the gun laws in Canada, and I kind of laughed, and I said, well, tell me about your life with guns. And he's a pastor, and he, he laughed, and he said, well, he said, um, we've got guns like all over the house, because we're, we're, we're here to defend our house, to defend our, we can defend our turf. And so in their state, they have the power, they've got the guns, they've got the power, but not only that, they actually have the authority to use them, because it's legal if somebody comes in and harasses or comes against them, they can actually pull the gun out and use it. So they have the authority to use the power. Now, if we did that here in Canada, we'd be in trouble, wouldn't we? (laughs) See, the difference, though, is there's power. In the gun itself, there's power. But the power is no good unless you have the authority to use it. And so Jesus doesn't release power, give power, without authority. I, I, I can have the power. We have the power. But it's our job, then, to exercise our authority. That's where the rubber meets the road. So we have the power. I got the power. But we we have the authority as well to use the power. Wow. Hmm. So it's the the ability, but not just the ability, but the the authority to do it. Okay, so what does being a disciple look like? What does fullness look like? I'm glad you asked. In Luke chapter 10, it gives us a list. And this is just a beginner's list. This is a beginner's list to someone walking a life of fullness, okay? Okay. You can read it on your own, but I'll just go through. There's five things. Number one, he says this. He says, preach the kingdom. Heaven's within reach. Activate it. He just says that. That's the first thing. Preach the kingdom. And then he says this. The second thing, he says, heal the sick. There's no sickness, heart disease, MS, cancer in the kingdom. He says, heal the sick. That's the second thing. The third thing is, he says, cleanse the lepers, right? Cleanse the lepers. And the deal, with the, the deal with that concept is it's interesting how in the Old Testament, the deal was if someone was unclean and was leprous, uh, they, you couldn't touch them. In fact, it was law. It was in the Jewish law that you couldn't touch them, and they'd have to announce they're unclean. They'd have, to, they'd have signage on them and that sort of thing, and they'd put them all in colonies and whatnot. But the deal was because if I were to touch something unclean, I would become unclean. Then Jesus comes along and what does Jesus do? He flips that right upside down. And he says, "You know what it's you know what's going to happen. You they say don't touch, but I say greater is he who's in me than the thing that's on this person. So I'm not going to be made unclean by this thing, this issue that this person has, but what I carry is greater than that. So that's going to bow to what I carry. See? And, so, and, he, and he broke down so many cultural barriers and so many uh, you know, laws and rules and systems by that because he went out and he said before, don't touch. Now he's saying, touch. Put your hands on, you know. Go for it. I remember seeing stuff in, in Africa that where, where uh, lepers would come and they just deformed and that sort of thing. And I had that thought in my head. I had that thought in my head. I also had the thought in my head too. We were... We were um, uh, in this region in, in Sudan, and we were doing this crusade where um, it was this, this little basketball stadium, a few thousand people there, and all, we were, it was my night to preach, and so I'm, I'm getting up to preach, and as I get up to preach then, the power goes out, and so there's no lights. How many know that Africa with no lights can be pretty dark? And then and so I even just said I said I'm pre I'm preaching and I'm on, I got a translator. So I just put the microphone down and I just start using my voice. And I start, I said I said, could everybody please smile? That was funny. And they thought it was funny, and they laughed. And then all of a sudden, as, as we're going along, they, they, all of a sudden, all these phones get out. It was like it was at a concert. All these phones come out. It's so funny. These, this is what's really kind of trippy, is you go to certain regions in Africa where there's like no paved streets, all dirt roads. People, they, they live in the mud huts with the thatched roofs and whatnot, and yet they'll have a satellite dish on their hut, for their hut. And everyone's got a cell phone. Like, everyone's got a cell phone. So anyway, they got their phones out. They're doing this. And uh, in that moment, though, I get a word of knowledge about HIV-AIDS. And there was a lot of HIV-AIDS in that region. And there's a real twisted mindset that that some people have regarding that, where uh, men that have AIDS uh, have been told by, I'm not sure if it was the witch doctors or certain people, but it's a common belief that if they would have sex with a virgin, they would be cured. And so what they do is you've got massive rapes happening in all these young kids and young people, because they have this twisted thought that that's their cure. And so in, in that moment, though, I felt like God wanted to heal HIV-AIDS. And as I'm thinking that, and I understand that, that, that I, you know, you're not, you're not going to get HIV-AIDS just by putting your hand on somebody like this. But before I did that, I'm kind of looking at my hands, do I have any cuts, any open wounds on my hands, you know? And, uh, but in that moment, it was like, no, 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 there, you've got, there's a shift that went in my mindset. The thing that they carry is not greater than the thing that I carry. I'm not, not going to touch them. In fact, I'm going to hug people. I'm just going to love on them and lay hands. And so we started doing that, and uh, there were three cases in that, out of that thing that came weeks later of people cured of HIV AIDS, an incurable disease, you know? How did it come? I, and I didn't know because it was difficult. You couldn't see much that was going on. It was kind of mayhem, actually. And so there's, there's several of us. were laying hands on people and praying for people and hugging people, and uh, that happened though, but my point is this, the kingdom and fullness is extended through touch, through love, through reach, by engaging and doing something. I like what with John G. Lake, when the plague was hitting, uh, he had this, you know, the ministry, a good Canadian uh, revivalist, and the, um, I always mess up the word, the plague, the bubonic, boo. here, the, bubonic, the bubonic. The bionic, bionic, you know, the bubonic plague was, was just, you know, wiping out so many people. John G. Lake said, I want you to get a Petri dish and some saliva. Someone that has it takes some of their saliva, put it on a Petri dish and look at it under a microscope. And so they look under it in the microscope and they see that it's, it's this act of alive, living plague. And he said, okay, now I want you to put it on my hand and look at what happens when you put it on my hand. He put his hand under the microscope and as soon as that saliva hit his hand, the organism died. Because he had a revelation of something. He knew that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. He knew that he didn't just have power, but he had authority. All right. So he says, heal the sick. He says, cleanse the lepers. Then he says this, number four. He says, raise the dead. Um, And all this stuff sounds hard if you think of it as if you're doing it. But get a revelation of it's Christ in me, the hope of glory, right? And, and I, I like this, so I'm not, I'm not of the believer that says, I'm not a believer that says, you know, you pray for someone, God heals them through me, and they say, oh, thank you so much for healing me. And I, I don't get hung up on, well, no, it wasn't me, it was actually God, because Jesus said, heal the sick. He was saying, you heal the sick. When I, when I say, when I prophesy over somebody, and, uh, and I say, yeah, I prophesied over this person, I prophesied to this person. I don't say, well, the Lord uh, spoke to this person through me. He gave me a word. And, like, do you know what I mean? Because that's, that's, that's a trip up for authority being released. Humility and authority go hand in hand, not pride and, and authority. So a roadblock to fullness, a roadblock to seeing his kingdom released would be that not just shame, but doubt and unbelief, but also pride. Pride. And I'm not talking about pride saying, I'm so good. I'm talking about pride saying, well, I'm so low. And it's a false humility. Okay. All right. Raise the dead. Okay, great. And then the last one, number five there, he says, you know, cast out demons. These are all great things. But that's just a beginner's list to the kingdom. Isn't that great? That's a beginner's list to the kingdom. Wow. So, in scripture, we see something happening. It says that Jesus called them to himself, and he says that he, he gave them power and authority, and he sent them out. So there's always delegation and impartation in the kingdom. There's always delegation. And this is what I want us to understand today and really get when it comes to living a life of fullness, that I've been appointed. I've been dele- I have delegated authority. I've received an impartation. Now I've got to go and do something with it. Uh, In Scripture, so Numbers chapter 11, Moses calls out, you know, there's 72 elders, and it says that the power of God fell on them as Moses laid his hands on them. Because Moses was God's chosen vessel, but he realizes, hey, i got to multiply myself. I can't do this all on my own. So God says, okay, call 72 elders. Get them up here. Lay hands on them. Boom. And so what what Moses carried in God, there was an impartation. They started carrying it. In Acts chapter 8, Peter and John and the Samaritans. The power of God fell as they laid their hands on each one. Uh, Timothy and others received the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands. You know, Paul, uh, uh, Paul said to Timothy, don't neglect the gift that was given through the laying on of, your, of hands. Don't neglect it. I feel like the Lord's saying that to us. He's saying, guys, don't neglect the gift that was given through the laying on of hands. So, how many have had hands laid on before? How many have ever walked through a fire tunnel? (laughs) Okay, so are you hearing what I'm saying? Like there's been, you've you've received so much. I think sometimes too, it's not even so much about the impartation of, you know, like for example, Deuteronomy 34.9, it says that the spirit of wisdom rested on Joshua for Moses had laid his hands on him. And I almost feel like this. I think there's something about that where, where there's an impartation, but I think even more times than not, I don't know, this is just a theory, you can take it or leave it, I believe that when there's hands laid on, it's more of an, it's a, there's an activation of what you already have inside. Do you know what I mean? Like, because you have the fullness inside you already, right? Now that Christ has died and raised again, right? So you have the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised from inside of you, whereas in the Old, Old Testament, you see this case where there's hands laid on, and the Spirit that rested on them, rested on them, and do you understand what I'm saying? So that's not what I want to focus on. But the deal is the, the, the impartation. There's something about impartation and receiving by faith. Okay? The very first time I met John and Carol, we were in, uh, I was in Toronto, it was 2001, And um, first opportunity that I had to actually get there, I was preaching at another church in Brampton on the one night, Sunday night, I went to the church there in Toronto and I sat down and I was just like, this is amazing, wow, I'm finally here, you know, this is great what God's done in this place. And on Sunday nights they would have like a healing missions type meeting and so there was some guy there speaking in Spanish through a translator, I couldn't tell you what he said, not because I didn't understand, but I was just fixed on my mind thinking, I want John to lay hands on me. That was my, that was my, that was my hunger, you know. I'm like, I just, what he carries, I just want to have in my life, you know. And so anyway, so time goes on. They get to the end of the meeting. They said, okay, if you need healing in your body, come stand at the front here. And so all these people came up. But if you just like prayer and impartation and whatnot, stand on the lines around the perimeter and the stuff. And I said, I looked at the guys and I said, I don't need healing, but I want, I'm going to the front. I'm not, I'm not going on the lines. I got, I was greedy, I was hungry, come on. And I'm not saying that out of a rebellious heart. I was, I was it was a hunger that I had. It was just a hunger. It was a, I, I wanted to pull on what he has and what he carries. So I walked up to the front and uh, I go up to the front and I'm standing there among all these people that are receiving prayer for healing. And they were just on the stage actually reaching down and just laying hands on people like this and like this. And people are like, flipping and flopping and falling and balling and all that stuff. And I'm standing there and, uh, and, I, and, and John lays his hand on me and I didn't feel a thing. And I'm like. <laughs> but something inside me, I just said this. I said, I don't care what it looks like by faith I receive in Jesus name and so I went I just went like that and then I and I smiled and I walked back to my seat and uh, sat down and the guy said hey Trev how was that and I said it was great I said I didn't feel a thing but by faith something happened by faith something happened so the next night then um (laughs) I go to I go to preach at this meeting and I get up to preach, and and uh, I didn't know this, but there was a, there were a lot of pre-believers in the room, and I didn't know that. I thought it was just kind of a regular church thing where it was equipping and encouraging the church. And I'm standing up there to preach, and I get up to preach, and the same thing that was happening in Toronto all the time, you know, the whole drunkenness, laughter, joy, love, blah blah blah. I just got hammered. Like I I literally I stood up to preach, and I'm like. It was it was like it was like our translator in India, Edward. You know that little guy. He gets up to translate, and, and Edward's preaching, and this little guy gets up, and you, and it was funny because you weren't even talking about anything regarding filled with the spirit. These men are not drunk as you suppose, anything like that. And this little guy just starts laughing uncontrollably, completely drunk in the Holy Ghost. It was funny. It was great. Anyway, that happens to me. I'm standing there at the pulpit, and all of a sudden I go, I can't even see straight. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> Well, I just lo- I can't hold it together. I lose it. So they came and brought me a chair, and I just sat there on the chair, and I said, God's moving in this place. I said, just take it, take it, and I'd go like that, and as I went like that, people would just slide out of their seats, drunk, rolling on the floor, like the same thing that was happening in the church in Toronto at Catch the Fire was now happening in this church where it wasn't an expression of this church. Do you understand what I'm saying? But at that moment, I realized something. Impartation has, has as I, I believe, maybe even more so to do with the person receiving and hungering for God to do something in them, even, even more so than the person releasing it. And I, I didn't know what it would look like, and, so, and, and, and you all know me, you've seen me, I don't know if that's happened here uh, as of yet, there have been times when it's been whatever, but my point is this, it's not that we're always looking for the same result of something, let's not make a formula out of it, but the point is, I hungered for an impartation. I didn't say I want it this way, I want it that way, whatever. It wouldn't have been the way I chose things to happen, to to be on public display in front of everyone trying to preach. I couldn't even preach. And then I said, and and then the Lord said to me, he said, I want you to give a call for first-time decisions for people to follow Jesus. And I'm like, I'm having this conversation with the Holy Spirit saying, this is so not an evangelistic message. This is just take it. Everyone's getting hammered in the Holy Ghost. Just take it, take it. And, uh, and uh, that's when the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, who do you think knows what these people need more, you or me? And then, and then I got thinking about it. I, I, like, and, then, and then he said, who do you think is more sensitive to the seeker, you or me? And so, so when it came time then to preach the gospel, the, the, the message of the gospel of salvation... I just, I shared like a, maybe a seven-minute little blurb about coming to Christ and repentance and da 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 And I was stone sober for that. It was great. And then in that moment, and then five people came up. First-time decisions for Christ that, that night. Like at once in this, in this little meeting, there was maybe 150 people there. Came up there and they received and responded to the gospel. And I was sitting here thinking, wow, that's wild. I, all I did was I got up and I acted like a complete idiot in my own mind. Foolishness in your own mind. By the way, in that environment when all that stuff was happening, people were getting healed. We had testimonies later in the service. People were getting healed and different things were happening. The kingdom was being released. It just didn't look like the way I thought it should look. Right? Anyway, that, so, but the, the deal is with impartation, there's something about hungering and desiring and pulling in faith, pulling with faith. And then also, as you're, as you're releasing, this is what, one thing that Carol actually talked about at the conference just in passing, but when you're releasing, when you're praying for somebody, for something, okay, the healing, you carry the healing inside of you. The power is inside of you. So when you're laying hands on somebody... You're not just going, you know, la-di-da-di-da, not even, not, there's actually a, a release. What I like to do is I like to actually, and, and Carol talks about it, about, about, like, aggressively, ugh, like, just releasing what's inside of you. And I, 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 some, that, I can't really put it in words to describe, it feels like a ministry team training time right now, but I can't put into words about how to describe it. But when, when you're at work, when you're wherever, and you're going to pray for somebody, you're going to do something. Um, by the way, it didn't say, he, he, he didn't say, Jesus didn't say pray for the sick there, although we are instructed to pray for the sick. Jesus said heal the sick. So the power is not in what prayer I'm going to pray when I lay hands and do something. The power is inside, and it's the authority to release that power. <clears throat> And it's like, um, it's almost like you're, you're like, bloop, you're pushing something out in a sense. I don't recommend you push people down, okay, uh, especially if it's at work, you know. <laughs> but, but are you hearing what I'm saying? So there's something about impartation, but there's something about, you know, the, the kingdom of God suffers violent and the violent take it by force. And there's something about getting aggressive with the anointing. There's something about releasing what you carry on the inside with like, <clears throat> think of it this way. If there's a burglar that comes in your home and is going to rob you, comes right into your house and he's going to rob you, let's just say for, for fun, you're in America. You have, the, you have the power and you have the authority. You're not going to go like this. You're not going to go, well, you know what? I, I, I don't want you in my house right now. I, I don't, don't want to give you anything. And please don't do anything bad to me you've got the power you've got the authority you're going to be like, "Get out of here and you know in jesus name <laughs> and you, you know what I'm saying there's something that's going to rise up inside of you, so when you see someone with a sickness or an affliction or whatever there's got to be a rising up inside where you would you would want to you, you want to kick that thing out of there <clears throat> just like a just like a burglar coming in face to face to rob you well let's let's Maybe that doesn't make sense. What if somebody, if you're a parent, and somebody, somebody comes in, and what they want to do is they want to steal your child? How about that? You want to see how many dads, how many moms are going to get pretty hairy in that scenario? If you have the, okay, let's say, and you've got the power to do something. You've got the, the, you've got the power. You've got a gun. You've got a knife. You've got something. I guarantee you're not going to be like, well, okay, okay. Yeah, just you know what? You have to go. You have to leave. You have to leave now. No, there's got to be something inside, guys, that rises up, and you you, you see it with a, a righteous violence. <laughs> you know what I mean? Out in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. Okay. How are we doing for time here? It's twelve oh five. Okay. All right. We'll get more into this. Later, I want to just say, just, I'll close with this. In the, in the, um, just so you know, that Jesus' prayers, when he, when he, and when he spoke and, you know, healed people, when you see him saying something, it was always an imperative tense. The verb, it was a command. It wasn't a, Father, would you please do this to this person? It was a command. So he would say, receive your sight. Hear, be healed, be cleansed, get up and walk, stretch out your hand. These were always, it was, it was a, an imperative tense. It was a command. It was a, <clears throat> like that, right? Just a mindset when you think about fullness and think about the kingdom. All right. If someone gives you authority, they expect you to use it.